0: You're listening to a podcast from Westwind Church. For more information, visit our website at westwindchurch.org. Well, good morning, Westwind Church. and Again, thank you for joining us in worship. If you're anything like me, these past few weeks have caused a lot of reflection and introspection. And one of the things that uh, I was reminded of this past week is how God has hardwired me. Uh, By nature, I'm an optimist. I look for the silver lining in most things. I typically have a cup that is three quarters full. But you take that predisposition and you couple it with the Christian worldview, which suggests this, and it's beautiful, that God is sovereign and he is seated on his throne. And as difficult as this pandemic is globally and locally, he is working out his good, acceptable, and perfect will, and that he'll be glorified in the challenges, and that the gospel will advance, and good will come to people. I really believe that. One of the God things and good things that I've seen in the past few weeks is this, is that this idea of social distancing, it's almost uh, uh, ironic. The social distancing is bringing us together. I have heard of numerous individuals who are gathering their extended family from all across the country and meeting on Zoom and checking in and saying hello. This past week was like that for Ellen and I. We reconnected in very intentional ways with people from all across the country, family members that we haven't talked to in some time. A call came in this past Tuesday from one of my dearest friends in Minnesota. And honestly, I haven't talked to Bill in a number of years. Bill Jesse's his name. He was on the calling team when uh, Ellen and I came to Minnesota over 10 years ago we became dear friends, Bill was my golf coach, and I'll never ever forget the day that I broke 90 playing golf with Bill for the first time. And by the way, for you golfers, no cheating, no moving the ball, counting every stroke. So Bill was there, he signed the scorecard, we took a picture, I framed it, I still have it in my home. Another picture I have of Bill is in my office. It is an absolute keepsake, and I want to show you that picture this morning. This is Bill Jesse, my dear friend, his wife Charlotte, and their two children. They're wearing caps, and these are cancer caps, because a number of years ago on Thanksgiving Day, Charlotte got the news that she had cancer. She did one chemotherapy treatment, but less than a month later, on Christmas Eve, Early in the morning, dear Charlotte went into the arms of Jesus while Bill was holding her. And I share that story, folks, to say that the COVID-19 virus inspired Bill to call. And as he called, I told Bill, I says, Bill, I still have your picture in my office. I think of you often. And I think what we're experiencing today with this pandemic is that it's a time for reflection. It's a time to slow down and consider the real issues of life, that life is volatile. It is absolutely fragile, and no one except God knows what tomorrow holds. James, the brother of Jesus, asks this rhetorical question. He says, what is your life? And then he answers it. He says, you are a mist that appears for a little while, then vanishes. Could it be that God is using COVID-19 as a way of reminding us of this all-important truth that life is but a vapor here one minute, gone the next? And so may I ask a very serious question. What if you found out today that you only had one month to live like Charlotte? I believe that question forces us to define what we believe and what we value in life. Do we value our spouse and children, our extended family, friends, and neighbors the way God would intend? Do we appreciate our relationship with Christ? And do we serve Him through the local church, in our community, and beyond? Do we live generously with our time, treasure, talent, and touch and invest our lives for eternity? I asked our youth pastor, Caleb Davis, if he had only one month to live, what would he do differently? And it was a serious question, but we hung out and he talked about this. He said two things for sure. One, I'd finished my book so my ministry would continue. And then he said, I would ask my girlfriend to marry me today. I said, way to go, Caleb. Those are good ideas. Well, I hope you have your Bibles open to Psalm 90. Pastor Jason read a number of verses. That is our core passage. That's gonna be our focus. And Psalm 90 is a beautiful prayer of Moses. And let me paint a picture of what's going on in Moses' life. He's well into his senior years, way beyond 80. And what he's doing is he's basically looking in the rear view mirror, And he's got generations to reflect upon. Think through the seasons of Moses' life. He was privileged to be uh, raised in Egypt in great affluence and had education. And then he miscued, he killed an Egyptian, and he had to flee like a fugitive. He wound up in a foreign country, married a foreigner, and became a shepherd. And then at age 80... A burning bush begins talking to him, and it's God, and God calls him to rescue the nation of Israel from bondage and slavery in Egypt. Moses rises to the challenge and confronts Pharaoh. He sees these plagues. He leads the nation of Israel out of Egypt. And sadly, though, they rebelled and they wandered a whole generation for 40 years in the wilderness, and only two men, Joshua and Caleb, from that generation entered the promised land. And so Psalm 90 is a reflection on life, looking back. And as we've already heard from God's word, it's a reflection on how time passes so quickly and how there's hardship and tragedy. If you have your Bible, Psalm 90, verse 10, look at these words. Moses writes, Our lives last 70 years, or if we are strong, 80 years, even the best of these years, our struggles, our sorrows, indeed they pass quickly and we fly away. Friends, that is an honest and sobering reflection of not only the brevity of life, but also the struggles, the sorrows, the challenges and pain we experience. I titled this morning's message, Living the Dash. Today we are gonna explore what I would call the precious gift of time and, and examine our stewardship of that gift and see how we're using it, see how we're living the dash. Living the dash is a metaphor, it's a picture of our life. Let me show you a tombstone. Have you ever considered that our entire life is reduced to two dates? and one little dash. I was born in 1959. I have no idea God is in control of the end date, but there's one thing I have influence on today, and that one thing is the dash. How will I live my life? You know, when you think about it, we don't have control over many things in life. We do not get to Decide where to be born, who our parents are, what period of time we're going to live, or what culture we'll grow up in. We do not get to decide the dates on our tombstone. We do not know when the end will come. It could be next week, next year, or decades away. Think of Charlotte, Thanksgiving to Christmas Eve. We just don't know. Only God knows because our lives are truly in his hands. However, as I've already suggested, there is one thing we have a vast amount of influence over. You and I get to choose how we'll spend that little dash of time between the two dates of our existence. And so may I ask, how are you investing your dash? How are you spending your time There's a prayer that we're gonna see that Moses prays and it's a prayer that we would be stewards of our time, that we'd be generous with our time, that we'd be wise with our time. I hope you did. Download your digital guide and there is a sermon outline if you'd like to take notes. So let me share with you the blessing this morning. Each one of us can live the dash in a God-honoring way by applying the biblical truth regarding time. This morning, my hope and prayer is as we examine these four truths, boy, God's spirit will just impress them on our hearts and we'll apply them specifically. So truth number one, discern the brevity of life. Look again, if you would, to the book of Psalms. It's our core or Psalm 90 in verse 12, Moses prays this. He says, teach us, Lord, to number our days carefully so that we might develop wisdom in our hearts. This simple yet profound prayer has two dimensions. First, Lord, teach us to number our days, that our days are brief. They're like a vapor here one minute, gone the next. But secondly, notice what Moses prays. Lord, teach us so we can have purpose in life and develop wisdom for the journey of life. Now, have you ever considered how the average person spends their time on a daily basis or over a lifetime? My wife did a little bit of research, and this is really interesting to me. We'll put up a chart. 26 years is spent sleeping, and I thought this was incredible, seven years is spent trying to fall asleep, 13 years at work, eight years, four months watching TV, four years, six months eating, three years, one month holidays, one year, four months exercising, one year, three days socializing, and how interesting, one year unpaid overtime. Not a good thing. So after I read those statistics, I am absolutely convinced why Moses prays, Lord, teach us to number our days so that we might live wisely in this journey of life. Three years ago, my mama, at age 82 was in a terrible accident. She broke her neck, nine ribs were broke. She was bruised from head to toe. And as an 82-year-old lady, she was just hospitalized and rehab for many, many months. And as I look back on that tragedy, there was one very personal redeeming point for me. I was reminded of how brief life truly is. Here one minute, gone the next. And since that day to today, literally I can say this, I purpose to call mom every day. And we have this Beautiful relationship and wonderful fellowship. And mom constantly reminds me, Keith, these are special moments where we just update each day. But why did it take a crisis? Why did it take an accident for me to recalibrate, to redeem that time? Regardless, I don't know, but one thing I do know today is a beautiful thing that is happening. In three months, this pandemic has claimed the lives of over 50,000 people worldwide with a projection right now of between 100 and 200,000 plus in the United States alone. As sobering as that statistic is, it should cause us to pray like Moses. Teach us, Lord, to number our days. Teach us to live wisely with this time you have given us. And so the first truth scripture encourages is to understand the brevity of life, how quick it goes by. Truth number two, act wisely by redeeming your time. There's a beautiful passage in Ephesians five, if you wanna flip there, it's verses 15 through 17, and you're gonna see that it's complementary. it's almost parallel to what Moses was praying. Here's what Paul wrote. He says, pay careful attention then to how you walk, notice, not as unwise people, but is wise, we're back to the wisdom motif. And then he says, making the most of the time because the days are evil. He says, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. This idea of making the most of your time, it's one word in the ancient language and it's a word that describes redemption. And it's a beautiful picture here that Paul, Paul's playing on. He says that you have to look at your life and see where time is being robbed. In the ancient world, the the word was used for redeeming a slave and setting that slave free. And maybe there's some ways we use our time that aren't as profitable, that aren't healthy and wise. And God is saying, take an assessment of your life, redeem those times for the best practices. I enjoy the movie, uh, Dead Poet Society came out a number of years ago starring Robin Williams. And one of my favorite scenes in Dead Poet Society is where Williams takes his class, uh, his students out into the corridor, into the hallway, and they're looking into a curio case, if you will. And there's memorabilia. There's sports memorabilia. There's pictures. There's trophies and so forth. And in the back... Of, of the students, William softly starts whispering this word, cape, cape diem, cape diem, boys. Seize the day. Seize the day, boys. Live life today to the hilt. That is the posture of Paul here. That is the prayer of Moses. Seize the day. Redeem the time. And what a privilege we have to do that. Now, I want to be very helpful, but very practical this morning. I want to introduce you to a gentleman that I appreciate. His name is Dr. Richard Swenson. In his book, Margins, he has a chapter on time. And he challenges the readers to identify the four primary categories where we need to redeem time back. Let me cover those quickly. The first one is personal time. To ensure that we have time for ourselves, time to retreat, time to get away, time to get recharged. Personal time is just so important. One of the things I love to do, as I've already expressed this, to golf. I can go out for 18 holes, be out in nature. It doesn't matter what the score is, it is just personal time. It's it's redeeming time. Secondly, family time. You know, the statistics today are sad. It said that meaningful couple time on an average day is about four minutes. Meaningful parent to child time is not much better, about five minutes. And what I want to challenge you today is not just quantity of time, but quality of time. When you're together, is there quality time being spent? I was inspired uh, this past week by the Ballback family. And I asked them if they would share a little bit of how this uh, uh, time, that's a unique season, how their family's redeeming for family time. So let's welcome uh, Jason and, and Taylor. Well, yeah, we've been uh, working on being creative with our time as we've been so home as a family together. And one of them has been with our, our dinner times. And so this is my youngest daughter, Taylor. So, Taylor, why don't you tell us a little bit about one of our nights for our dinner times? One of our nights for dinner times was Trolls, and it was my night, and we did a food truck thing, and we went into the garage and used the van for the food truck, and for our dinner, we, we did green spaghetti with food coloring, and we, and we watched the movies Trolls. So we set up like a whole movie theater in our garage, huh? It was pretty cool. But we've been doing that and just making the most of our time together and, and, and redeeming that because we don't get that often uh, in our house. And it's really fun to have that now, isn't it? That's pretty great. It's pretty great. Thank you so much, you guys. I understand the color of that spaghetti was green, right? Nasty. So just one mini story, one example of redeeming time. But here's the challenge, folks. And the challenge is gonna come, what about this time next year? Are we gonna have the garage set up as a movie theater? Are we gonna make weird meals together? Are we really gonna celebrate that special family time? The third thing is sharing time. And that's what happened this past week in, in Ellen and I's life. People from all across the country. Monday, we were coming home from a baptism here. And we just got a text, hey, can we FaceTime? And uh, we got home 8.30 and we hung out with a family that we went to Israel with in uh, last May. We haven't talked to them, seen them in quite some time. And what a wonderful time uh, to reconnect, sharing time. And then finally, God time. You know, the data is kind of sad when you look at how much time is spent in front of a TV versus how much time is spent in church or worship. The ratio is about seven to one. We are in front of the TV set seven more times than we are in a worship space. Jesus prioritized God time. Mark one thirty-five tells us, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he got up, went out, made his way to a deserted place, and he was praying there. Friends, this is Jesus. And you think about it, in three years, what he accomplished with his life, but he always prioritized time with his father. Sacred time, time with dad to just commune, to fellowship so the kingdom would come. And so I hope with all my heart, you'll take the challenge to redeem time from Swenson and and look at those four categories, but not only for today, but for the future. What will we sustain? What are gonna be the best practices? Truth number three, Steer your life prayerfully through the various seasons of life. And why do I say prayerfully? Because Psalm 90 is a prayer. When when Moses says, Lord, teach us to number our days, and you reflect on the spiritual and life journey of Moses, man, there was season after season. Growing up in Egypt under Pharaoh, being a shepherd, being a fugitive, being a great leader, and then leading with the people who didn't want to follow. He had so many unique seasons of life, and yet he had to engage prayerfully. Ecclesiastes 3, 1, we covered this a few weeks ago. There is an occasion for everything and a time for every activity under heaven. And so, folks, when you think about living the dash, this is a unique season. This might be a a one-in-a-lifetime season. COVID-19 hopefully will be an experience that we'll look back and we'll see great transformation in our lives because of what we've gone through. One example from scripture about seasons of life and prayerfully engaging comes from our Lord Jesus Christ in Mark chapter 3, 13 through 16. You don't need to turn there but let me just show it to you on the screen. Jesus is 18 months into his ministry. He goes up into the mountain and prays, and then he comes down, and the key phrase there, he chose 12, he appointed 12 to be with him. That was a unique season. That was a unique point in time, choosing the 12 to be the apostles who would take the gospel to the ends of the earth. I remember as a youth pastor uh, close to 35 years ago, uh, I was in vocational ministry two years full-time before Ellen and I married. Then Ellen and I married. She joined me in Cincinnati, Ohio, and we had three years as a team. Uh, The church got two for one. We did everything together, retreats, mission trips, discipleship, activities, you name it. But then all of a sudden, Ellen gets pregnant, and we had back-to-back pregnancies. We had three children in diapers because our second pregnancy was twins. And something changed in that season of life for ministry. And it really impacted our relationship and our ministry opportunities because Ellen felt disconnected, sometimes even a little bit guilty because so, she was so committed to the home and to the, to the kids as infants. But then as we looked at that season, one of the things we learned that Ellen could do was have the girls come over the home, hang out with her in discipleship, and hang out with the kids, which the girls in the youth group loved. And it's just one mini example of the seasons of life that we learn to recalibrate. And so again, there's a delicate equilibrium during these seasons. COVID-19, again, I trust is once in a lifetime an experience. But what Ecclesiastes reminds us is there's a time to work, a time to play, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time for people and a time for task. By God's grace, this pandemic should help us recalibrate. This season should create an awareness that this is a unique time that can give us a new course for our walk with God, our ministry journey, our, our touch point with our spouse, our family and our kids, and lead us in a beautiful way. Now finally, truth number four, hope in Christ today. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians five twenty through 6, 2 says these words, please follow along. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, certain that God is appealing through us. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him, working together with him. We also appeal to you, don't receive God's grace in vain for he says, I heard you in an acceptable time and I helped you in the day of salvation. And this final statement is so important. Look, now is the acceptable time. Today is the day of salvation. And I want to close this morning where I began. I want to take you back to Bill and Charlotte Jesse, a couple that I deeply, deeply admire. Ellen and I, from Thanksgiving to Christmas Eve, walked hand in hand with this dear family. And we so much appreciated what we saw in their life. Because Charlotte Jesse knew Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. She was ready to go home. When they were promoting chemotherapy and she had one treatment, she says, you know, I'm ready. I just wanna go be with Jesus. She knew her Savior. She came to a point in time many decades previously where she said yes to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And so, friends, I appeal to you as Paul appealed to the Corinthians. God, through Christ, is reconciling the world to himself. And during this difficult time, this pandemic, maybe the Lord has got your attention in a special way. Maybe you're wondering what your future looks like maybe you're wondering what eternity holds and you've not yet given your life to Christ as Charlotte did well you could do that today now is the accepted time today could be the day of your salvation over 40 years ago I heard the good news that Jesus Christ is God's son reconciling humanity to the father And I heard the bad news, which is real simple, that I'm a sinner and sin separates me from God and sin brings death, not only in this life, but for all eternity. But the good news is that Jesus Christ is offered as the free gift from God to save us from our sins and offer us hope for this life and for all eternity. And so at a point in time, I... Confess my sins, I turn from my sins and I put my faith and trust in the Savior Jesus Christ He changed me folks He gave me hope He gave me an appreciation for time, a heart to redeem the time, to invest my life for eternity and so if you're here watching this morning and you've never yet said yes to Christ and you want to you want to be saved today I want to pray with you. I want to give you an opportunity to just bow your head, bow your heart before God's throne of grace. So if that's your desire, pray this simple prayer from your heart. God knows your heart right now. Call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. Let's pray together. Dear Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your purpose to reconcile the world and me through Jesus Christ. I admit I'm a sinner. I turn from my sin and I turn to Jesus, my Savior. I thank you today, Father, for forgiving me through the precious blood of Christ, all my sins. Today, I put my faith and my hope in Jesus. And I pray in his name, amen.